Welcome in to Brewcast on the Amazing Brew Podcast Network. Luke Yardy here with you, joined by Chris Castellani. We've got a, a good show coming your way in dire times, uh, I guess we consider can consider it uh, the most interesting time period that we have ever seen probably in this country, at least in my lifetime and Chris's as well. But before we get into everything, uh, we want to send um, Anthony Broom, our fearless leader, uh, our, our thoughts, our prayers. Anthony, we're, we're thinking of you right now. Anthony's not with us. If you didn't hear the news, he did make it public on his Twitter and Facebook. His father passed away after a, a long bout with cancer. So uh, very, very unfortunate times right now. And, and we really are thinking of Anthony. And he is such a good guy. Uh, he brought Chris and I into this show and we think we've made it into something that's pretty good. We've been doing this for a couple of years now. We look forward to doing it every single week, and uh, it, it hurts not to have him here, but he, he's definitely in our thoughts and prayers. Chris, how are you, man? Hanging in there. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to comment on that. Uh, it's been, you know, obviously a, a, a rough couple of days for a lot of us, and Anthony has been uh, has handled this whole thing uh, like a true pro, you know, You've been in the broadcasting industry for a minute now. Uh, I've been around it for a while, and you know you you meet a lot of you meet a lot of good guys and a lot of professionals. And uh, there's a lot of guys you meet sometimes that are just in general asshats. And um, I've I've never heard from anyone, at least not from any sane person, uh, a bad word about Anthony Broom. And we met uh, his dad. In uh, I think it was early November uh, of 2018, you know, right before Michigan played Penn State uh, when we were at uh, the Detroit Brewing, Brewing Company, and uh, it was uh, it was no surprise that Anthony's turned into the guy he's turned into, uh, meeting his family, and these are uh, this is this is really just awful. I mean, Anthony was someone who who took a chance on me when I was just the guy who was, who talked into his phone about the tigers. And, uh, I've been, I've been very content with what we've created here. And, uh, if we were doing this in a studio, we definitely have, uh, an empty chair set out for, uh, Anthony's, uh, late father. So, uh, we love you, buddy. And, uh, we're wishing you all the best. And if you're a, if you're a fan as well, listening to this podcast, make sure you give, uh, Anthony all your, all your love and support. This whole thing, that we've created here, not just our podcast, but the website in general, uh, wouldn't be possible if not for the the unbelievable work that he's put in. So we thank him for every everything he's done for the site and uh, for everything he's done for us personally, and we wish him all the best. Absolutely, no question about it. Really well said, Chris. Um, you know, it, it sucks that he's not here. We love doing the show with him, but just know that you know he he will be back at at some point, and until then, Chris and I are going to do our best to to give you the best show that we can. And Chris, uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit, man. These are times unlike any other. I mean, if you think about it, you go back to last week. Like we had the presidential primary in the state of Michigan on Tuesday. That literally feels that feels like a month and a half ago, is six days ago. I've never been a part of, so, of something that has moved this quickly, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, we played Big Ten tournament games on Wednesday night, but the season is officially over. The The season is done. Michigan's basketball season is over, as well as the college basketball world. Um, 
So when you look back at this season, Anthony, it was quite the roller coaster. Hey, Chris, 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 <laughs> Chris, sorry. Uh, yeah, no. When you look back at this season, um, quite the roller coaster. Started the battle for Atlantis champions. Uh, you know, beat. North Carolina, Gonzaga. I mean, Michigan was on the top of the world. They started to sputter, lost Isaiah Livers. They came back strong when he came back. Then they sputtered towards the end. We thought they were set up for maybe a little run in the Big Ten tournament. You never know, but uh, it's unfortunate it ended this way. But you look back at year one for Jawan Howard, you know, what are your takeaways? You know, it's I've never experienced a season like what we just experienced. I mean, taking away the way it ended. I mean, that's you know one in a bazillion. But just talking about the the trajectory of the regular season, I've never seen a year that has had so many peaks and valleys. We the we have gone at, with this team. Expectations went from one seed in late November to top 25 team solid top 25 team you know they'll they'll be in the running maybe for a big 10 title but you know they can make a run to probably being out of the tournament i, I mean they were what 12 and 9 going into the michigan state game at home livers comes back they win those 5 in a row and then we're thinking all right they're back in the top 25 maybe this is a second weekend of the of the the tournament team and then you you falter a little bit. You lose, you know, four, you know, four out of your last five or three out of your last four, and and you know they go into the Big Ten tournament kind of hobbling a little bit. I've never experienced a season where has that featured so many peaks and valleys, and yet ended up right around in the exact same spot that we expected them to. I think in general, you know, when when Beeline left, uh, I kind of got on my soapbox and. Was you know I think we were all a bit a bit uh, surprised and upset and I I pronounced that I thought this team would struggle making the NCAA tournament this year that was premature and I think with the even the first couple games kind of uh, debunked that theory with the way this team played but we knew this wasn't going to be a Final Four caliber type of team we knew that this was going to be a team that was probably going to be right above the bubble so to speak and that's about where they ended up and. The, the biggest tragedy, the whole thing, and I made a video about this, It's and it's not just a tragedy for the Michigan guys, but for, you know, I brought up Cassius, but really for the Lamar Stevens and the Geo Bakers of the world, you know, the guys who, who didn't really get that opportunity to sniff the NCAA tournament, if not one last time, but just one time in general, as this Michigan team, I think in general, was not equipped to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Weirder things have happened, but I just feel like they lack the consistency and the offensive production and and really the consistency on, on both ends of the floor to really make a deep run. But these guys, and you realize this, especially once you're out of college, once you're kind of out of that bubble and how difficult things are for them, all of these guys worked too hard for them not to go out on their own terms. And some of these guys who were gamers, I mean, I was critical of John Teske this year, but John Teske had a very good career here. And Xavier Simpson is an all-timer, in my opinion. And it's a shame that they're, they'll, they were deprived by of, of this final opportunity because of a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-several-lifetimes uh, situation with what's going on with the coronavirus. So it's uh, it, it's a disappointing end to the season for everybody. But I think in general, this team is set up fairly well for the future. And I think they ended up, in terms of the regular season, about where we thought they would end up. Yeah, I really do agree with you in that front because I we kind of thought that 
Michigan was maybe going to sneak into the tournament. That's kind of where they ended up. Actually, I, I will say, I think it, ultimately when Joe Lunardi put out, Michigan was probably going to be a five seed. He just like released a couple of brackets, uh, I think, yesterday, uh, Selection Sunday. Uh, Michigan, a five seed, so they rose above expectations. The win against Gonzaga kind of put them over the top when it comes to the, the seeding and maybe the win against Michigan State and things like that. But ultimately, Juwan Howard de- dealt with a lot. You know, in this first year, losing Isaiah Livers, the the roster turnover, you didn't have Franz to begin the year. There was a lot of adversity for this Michigan team, and I really think they powered through. Uh, they really hit some tough stretches. We saw pretty much every Big Ten team hit a lull like Michigan did, though, and that's just kind of the grind of a good conference and having 20 conference games. So, you know, uh, so I don't know. Uh, I I think I'm optimistic moving forward. Now it all depends here too, Chris is like, what is Michigan going to have coming back? As of right now, they've got the number four recruiting class coming in. Obviously we, Isaiah Todd is signed, but there's speculation. He could go to Europe. Uh, I'm really excited about Hunter Dickinson. Uh, I saw him play, you know, on TV a couple times in his high school games. That dude is an absolute monster. We were excited about Zeb Jackson uh, coming in, you know, the potential of Joshua Christopher joining this squad. But there's also, what is the roster turnover going to look like here? We know that Austin Davis is coming back for a fifth year. We don't know about Isaiah Livers. We're saying goodbye to Xavier Simpson. What is Franz going to do? Like, when you start looking into the crystal ball of the future here, Chris, like, what are you seeing? What are some good things that you like about moving forward? What are some things that kind of concern you a little bit? Well, I think worst case scenario, let's say, and especially in the world we're living in now, it seems like worst case scenario is an everyday thing, but let's say that carries over to Michigan basketball. I think worst case scenario would be Wagner tests the NBA waters, ends up leaving. Livers tests the NBA waters, ends up leaving. Between Isaiah Todd and Josh Christopher, one of those guys doesn't end up coming to Michigan. Even if all of that happens, I still see this being probably a top 15 basketball team coming into next season. I think with the recruiting class and with the people you have coming back, this will be still a formidable Big Ten opponent, especially on paper, coming into next season. I would say, and I'm trying to think back to where they were ranked preseason in 20. Uh, 14 and 2019, but I think for the most part, this will probably be one of the highest preseason rankings that Michigan has had in quite a while. I mean, even despite the losses, this is still going to be a, a very highly touted Big Ten opponent next year. I I could be wrong on this, but if I remember correctly, 2014, they came in unranked. And if you remember back to that season, I'm pretty sure they lost to Charlotte in a preseason right. tournament championship that year. Michigan didn't get ranked until they went on a crazy run in Big Ten play. They beat three top 10 teams in a week, including on the road at Michigan State. You know, um, right. that that was a team I don't think that came in, you know, very highly touted. Michigan hasn't really had many teams that have come in highly touted. I think they were in the top 25 Trey Burke sophomore year. Uh, well, no, they were ranked than, pretty high preseason that year. I mean, that, that were they, were they pretty high? I know they got I know they got to number one eventually, and I know they started the season undefeated. Uh, I think they were sixteen and zero or fifteen and zero or something like that. But I don't remember where they came in preseason in twenty thirteen. 
Yeah, I'll have to double check on that. Okay, let's see. In 2013, they began the season, and the 2012-2013, you know, the, the national championship uh, team, they began the season number five. Um, no, oh, okay. okay. In, 20, in 2014, they began the season actually as high as number seven, but in a week, they went from seven to 15 to 22 to 22 to unranked. So, I mean, they had to work their way back and then I'll have to look and see what it was last year. I think last year, probably they had a pretty last year. They started number 19 preseason. So, I mean, I think next year, uh, even if things go bad and look, preseason rankings are, are, are whatever at this point, so much of how you rank preseason uh, teams is based on potential. But when you look at the recruiting class, Michigan has coming in, uh, freshmen are nothing if not potential. That's that's all you can base it on is speculation and what you've seen from these guys in high school. And I think where the reason why a lot of people are going to be excited is that the two positions where this uh, team will take a hit in terms of starters are starting point guard and starting center. Now, John Teske, as much as I was critical of him this year, was you know a, a semi-reliable Big Ten starting center. You fill that void right away with Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson is a tank. That dude is a brick wall. He's going to be an elite Big Ten big man, hopefully for more years than one, but you know at least for for one or two years. And then you have at the point guard position, David DeJulius. I read Brendan Quinn's article about how Michigan reacted after finding out that their season was over. And, you know, they kind of kept it anonymous, you know, who the guy was that stood up and, and started talking to the team after it was announced that their season had come to an abrupt end. But it's pretty obvious vocally, this is going to be David DeJulius's team next year. And I think you have the pieces in place, even with the potential loss, maybe of someone like Wagner and Livers. And, and I said that as worst case scenario, but I don't think either one of them are going to go to the NBA. And if, if they don't, as crazy as it sounds, this could be top five preseason basketball team next year. And I know that's crazy considering how much they struggled this year, but based on the potential and what they got coming in, this is going to be a really solid basketball team. And next year will be, this year was a trial run. Next year will be the, the first true definitive start of the Juwan Howard era, very similar to with Beeline, you know, they lost what 22 games in year one. It wasn't until 2009 when they made the NCAA tournament where that was really the first true year of the Beeline era. I think next year will be the first beginning, the first year of the official Juwan Howard era. He's going to have his guys and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that crazy, to be quite honest with you, because college basketball has shown if you have a team full of like those quote unquote one and done guys, you're right. we, we haven't seen a whole lot of success. You, you know, Duke last year gets bounced in the Elite Eight, even though a lot of people thought they were the best team in the country. There's really only been two teams to win with that model. It was Duke. Uh, with Jaleel Okafor and then Kentucky with Anthony Davis. Those are really the only two that have been able to do it. You still see Kentucky, you know, they have complete uh, attrition and overturn from year to year. They're consistently ranked at the top five, and then they fall throughout the year. It's just what happens, what Michigan would have if that 
scenario were to come true is that you would have elite experience in Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers coming back, including a top five recruiting class, especially if Joshua Christopher ends up signing. I'm guessing it'll be somewhere between the number two and number three classes in the country. Like you will have elite young talent to go with elite returners. And if they get good point guard play out of David DeJulius, you have a good one-two big man punch in Hunter Dickinson and Austin Davis. Like that is going to be a tough team for anyone to contend with. The depth alone is going to be insane. So yeah. I, I think right now it's it's kind of an exciting time to be a Michigan basketball fan. In, in my opinion, absolutely. And now you we've both brought up David DeJulius, and I think it's going to be his team to lead from the point guard position. But... We've seen in the Big Ten the last couple of years, especially you look, you go down the road, you look at Michigan State, and this guy's gotten beat up a lot, a lot, and I feel bad for it. But the one blight against Michigan State over these last couple of years is that you don't have a backup point guard. You know, Rocket Watts is a, is a tremendous player and kind of can't filled that role near the end. But the reason they didn't win, in all honesty, the reason why they didn't win the national championship last year was that Cassius got tired. I mean, Cassius had to play 35, 40 minutes. Uh, just for just to make sure that team could win a tournament game. I think next year, there are still those people who believe that Zeb Jackson will be the starting point guard. I don't see that. Now, if he comes in and sets the world on fire, I think at some point he could take that spot. But I, I do believe it's DeJulius's job going forward. And you know, to add on to the point that we both made about this team potentially being top five, if all these guys come back, like I said, in 2013, they started the year top five. None of those guys were super highly recruited of those true freshmen. The only one was Mitch McGarry. You know, you had Glenn Robinson, who was, you had a ton of freshmen and Robinson, who was a name and really, in, uh, really only popular in name alone. Spike, Stauskas, guys who were very talented, but not super highly recruited. Still a top five team to begin the preseason, made it all the way to the national championship. So we're going to find out next season. Juwan has clearly shown the ability to recruit top talent, how he will develop that talent is something that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to find out, and it's uncharted territory here. John Beeline, from an X's and O's perspective, and from a player development perspective, was as good as anyone in college basketball. No one did more with less than John Beeline did. In hindsight, it's been two years; the dust has settled. I am stunned that 2018 team made it to the national championship game. That team couldn't make a free throw, and they made it to the national championship. No disrespect, I love those guys, but it's it's just kind of the fact. We're gonna find out next year what Juwan's ability to develop these young guys will be. And if he can do it successfully, we're looking at a team that's going to compete for a possible deep run in the NCAA tournament. And I think these are very exciting times. I think there's a lot of people who kind of uh, jumped off off the ship after uh, John Beeline left. That's about to change here, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about Juwan Howard, but first I want to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about Juwan Howard on Brewcast. Back into Brewcast, Luke Giardi, Chris Castellani, no Anthony Broom again, sending our thoughts and prayers uh, to the way of Anthony. Father passed away, just a, a tragic, tragic situation. But uh, Chris and I, we're, we're taking over for now and hopefully uh, giving you some good entertainment in some really tough times out there. But Chris and I, before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, Juwan Howard. You know, Chris brought him up in talking about moving forward with his guys. When you look back on this year, Chris, what do you what are some things that you thought Jawan did really good? What are some things that maybe you think he needs to work on in going into year number two? 
uh, I think uh, I'll start with the negatives and 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 bring my way to the positives because there aren't a ton of negatives. I think, and it is a little bit unfair because I am comparing him a little bit to Beeline, but Beeline was a master of drawing plays up in the sand out of timeouts. I mean, he was a genius with that. You go back and watch the Jordan Poole shot against Houston. That's one of the most flawlessly executed final plays in the history of college basketball. I mean, the livers pass, the two dribbles by by Rockman right to Poole for a three. That's exactly how they drew it up. You know, I mean, there were, Beeline was a master of that. You go back to, uh, you know, Glenn Robinson's bucket against Purdue for the, the game winner back in 2014. I mean, there's several moments that stand out. I think he needs to improve a bit on play, calling plays out of timeouts. I think X's and O's strategy type of things that he kind of needs to improve on, making sure that he has a defense that is is ready every single possession that doesn't take possessions off. I think in the last couple of years of Beeline, the reason why they went to that national championship game and the reason why they had two really, really good teams was Yaklich was there and they had an elite defense. I think they're going to need to work on that. Uh, but in general, I, I give him a passing grade because I think what you saw this year was he maximized a lot of guys' talents. The only guy outside of a John Teske, who I think I like Teske a lot. He had some good moments here, but I think he did admittedly take us a, a step or two backwards this season. But I think Johns took a big step forward. I think DeJulius took a big step forward. I think Brooks took a big step forward. I think he did a good job this year of maximizing players potential. And that's going to be so uh, vital going forward. And that's something that Beeline did uh, uh, tremendously well over the last, uh, over his, over his tenure here. And I think that's, that's going to be telling. So, you know, not, uh, not a flawless job, but the other thing I think he just did extremely well, uh, it, it was very obvious they were all in. You know, especially with a new coach, and you see this in all sports, in college basketball, you see it in college football, you see it in 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 the pros, in Major League Baseball, when there's a new manager, there are going to be those guys who simply don't buy in. There are going to be those guys who don't want to buy into the system, who don't believe in the guy they brought in. I didn't see anybody this year who fell into that trap. Even guys like Teske, who I felt like took a slight step back because the offensive system, which is one that requires athleticism, which Teske, God love him, was not someone who necessarily had that. Um, You never saw guys pouting. You you felt like guys were all in from the very beginning, and it made for what was a a hard-nosed, likable team. I think if they can instill that culture going forward, it's going to be of utmost importance importance and it's going to make this team very exciting in the near future yeah there's there's a couple things um that were uh, i think you could work on and a couple things that were definitely positives i I like what you said especially about brandon johnson i kind of think that was a a negative sometimes especially down the stretch when we saw isaiah livers come back from injury juan howard was really reluctant to put Brandon Johns out there. You know, he was reluctant to go small sometimes. And I think Michigan could have outplayed some of those teams and some of those losses had they gone small. It's like he had to have either John Teske or Austin Davis out there. And I think Michigan could have been better suited to have Brandon Johns, you know, at the five and playing with four smaller guys out there, a little small ball lineup, because one of the positives that I think Juwan really had was, uh, and I said this before, man, the the style that they played this year, they got some great, great looks yeah. every single game. And they just, for some reason, the shots just didn't fall this year. And 
ultimately that is kind of you know the the players that that are out there on the court so with with these top talent level guys that are going to be coming in you know if they're able to play the same way with some slashers and some shooters out there i'm really excited to see this offense kind of evolve into something great and they play at a great pace and i love the half court sets so um, I think those are definitely some positives. Like you said, uh, the timeout plays sometimes aren't great, but he did have a, a couple moments that he did drop some great, you know, out of bounds plays, and they ultimately ended up missing an open shot. Right. And those are the things that you know you just kind of don't remember in the course of a game. You don't necessarily m- remember those missed open shots, but there were a ton of them here this year. So. I, I like what I see moving forward. Obviously, there's going to be some things for him to work on, but the number one thing, Chris, and you hit the nail on the head with this one, man, is the team was all in playing for him. And it's and it's fun to see that, that there is a guy that has really energized this program once again. And it's not re-energized. It kind of kept the energy going from John Beeline. It's really hard to step into someone like that's shoes really really hard to do I think Jawan came in and he almost did it seamlessly you know a couple hiccups here and there but for the most part the energy kept going surrounding this program which is I think really really a cause for optimism moving forward no I'm completely with you and I think that you brought this up and it's a very good point is that no, I, there were those people, and God, God love them. I love the people who follow me on Twitter, but who, who were who were hammering Juwan for this team's shooting ability. And it's like, look, you go back and you watch the replays. This was a team that was was moving the ball remarkably well. I mean, you can make the argument last year's the final beeline team in 2019. The reason they never didn't beat MSU one of those three times, the reason they couldn't make it past the Sweet 16 is that they struggled with ball movement and they struggled creating shots. You were able to get more of that this year, you know, setting high ball screens, pick and roll stuff that was working. But I think in general, and this was a likable team, but probably one of the least talented that Juwan is going to have. And it ended up showing kind of in the results where they weren't able to execute despite doing so many things well. And that's kind of the the way things are in college basketball. I mean, you can run a play 100% perfect, but you got to rely on guys to hit shots. And sometimes that just didn't happen this year. And I think given the caliber of athletes and given the caliber of shooters that they have coming back, you know, in these next, with this upcoming recruiting class, uh, that's going to change here real soon. All right. So before we wrap up, Chris, when you look back in a couple of years, on the 2019-2020 season, what is the one thing that's probably going to be the first to stick out in your head? It will be a team that, my hope is that it will be a team that was extremely imperfect, remarkably flawed, probably not the most athletic team that Juwan's ever going to have, but a team that started a foundation of toughness. You look back at the heart of the Beeline era, you know, the, the the 2012 through 2014 teams. All that began because you had guys like Stu Douglas and Zach Novak who put in endless hours at the gym, who bought in right away, who were taking charges, who were hitting threes. My hope is that Xavier Simpson and John Teske and these upperclassmen like Livers will be the guys who will instill a toughness that uh, will carry over into the next a the new era 
of Michigan basketball because you can have all the talent you want, but if you don't have guys who are going to buy in, you're not going to win anything. And I am confident in the direction that this program is going because of the head coach they have in place, because of the system they have in place, and because of the caliber of player and person they have coming into this program. So I think I'll I'll view it as a a team that we're going to look back on as a kind of a, I would say a teaser trailer for the main event that is to come here in the Juwan Howard era. I would agree with that assessment. And of course, Juwan, like people can pretend this doesn't matter or anything like that, or people can call me a homer or inciting rivalry fans and flames for no reason. He beat Michigan State in year number one. You know, that is just no matter what you're left, that's not an easy thing to do, especially a Michigan State team. That was the preseason number one. So, and he did it in in two tries, and Beeline wasn't able to do it in three in 2019. You know, I mean, so hey, exactly, man, exactly. You know, and I think that really is important to be able to do and set that foundation. And basketball isn't football, but I mean, you look at we've talked about Jim Harbaugh not being able to beat Ohio State quite a bit. Like that's kind of how Michigan was with Michigan State basketball for a long time, and, yep. and I know John Beeline kind of turned the tides there. But for Juwan to do that in year number one, I, I think it is important, kind of moving forward, and that proverbial monkey is already off his back. I, I agree completely. All right, Chris. Well, uh, good show here today with without our friend Anthony again. One final time, uh, really sending some thoughts and prayers Anthony's way in these trying, trying times. Make sure you send Anthony just a nice message, maybe some thoughts and prayers or something like that. I know he'll certainly appreciate it. But Chris, where can we find you and uh, let us know about the the new podcast you're rolling, even though uh, opening day got pushed back to mid-May? If that, yeah. I mean, we'll see how long this thing goes. But you can follow me personally on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. Now, I do have a podcast as well, Locked on Tigers. You can follow that show at Locked on Tigers on Twitter. I mean, I'm doing that Monday through Friday. It's about 15 to 20 minutes a podcast, and you know, I, I think I have an idea of, what, of how things are going to go over the next couple weeks. I have a list of Top 25 baseball games of the last decade that uh, I'm probably going to be, uh, you know, unveiling over these next couple weeks. And I do have a, I, I have an interview lined up in the future with a major uh, uh, content creator on YouTube of baseball content that I'm really looking forward to. So we're, we're going to find a way to get things to get content churned out and both uh, on podcasts and on Twitter. And uh, as we've talked about it here on Maze and Brew as well, we're, we're going to find ways to, to entertain you guys. And real quick, I do just want to say, because in in college basketball, a lot of this has been overlooked, but I want to give a major shout out to Jeff Criswell and all of the Michigan baseball seniors who won't get an opportunity to try to repeat the success that they had uh, a season ago in the College World Series. You talk about a program that made people believe that not just Michigan, but the Big Ten could be champions in baseball again. Look at what Andrew Backich has done uh, with with that uh, university, and I think that in through all of the sadness that's gone on, that's a program that's gotten overlooked. So I want to give them a little shout out. Follow me on all those platforms, and thank you for listening. 
Absolutely no question, and that's you know so sad, especially with the start that that Michigan baseball team has had. But uh, hey, congratulations to them, and we're already looking forward to next year. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Gerdy, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. You can follow the Brewcast Show page at Brewcast Show on Twitter, and well, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for all of our shows and content where you get your podcast by searching Mesa Brew Podcast on Apple google spotify and more and we'll be back next week on brewcast for chris castellani i'm luke yardy thanks for listening